Now let's talk about the impact, right? It's been billed the most important budget since the Great Depression. So the big question is this, how investors like us who weren't born with a silver spoon, successfully investing in property to create a passive income and still have a lifestyle now? That is the question this podcast will give you the answers. I'm George Markoski and welcome to the Positive Property Show. Our mission is to empower 10,000 people to create financial freedom through property using the Markoski method. Join us. Special treat for you, Shark Eyes. Let me just go back to the beginning. Right. I don't think we're good band for copyright. <laughs> we'll see. I was scared of dentists and the dark. I was scared of pretty girls and starting conversations. All my friends are turning green. You're the magician's assistant in their dreams. Oh. Take it away to the dark side. I wanna be left in left hand man. I love you when you sing that song. And I love it up in my throat, cause you're gonna sing the words wrong. You're gonna sing the words wrong. This guy decides to quit his job and heads to New York City. This cowboy's running from himself. Has she been living on the highest shelf? Okay, so hello everyone and welcome. And the car won't stop. Okay, so hi guys and welcome to the show. We thought we'd do a little bit of karaoke to start, start us off and just get us motivated. Now look, if you've got any requests for next week, please type in what song you'd like us to sing. If we get enough requests, we'll sing that. This is Christina's request. And yes, I know Christina's much better than I am. Today, we've got a big one, guys. So put on your seatbelts, get ready Buckle for up. it. Buckle up. Buckle up. Because what are we talking about, George? We're talking about the budget. Something very riveting, very yeah. exciting. No, we're talking about the budget. This, today, tonight, I'm going to go through it all. I'm talking about the State of the Nation oh, 2020. Stop yelling. Sorry, okay. <laughs> tonight, I'm going to go through it all. I'm going through the State of the Nation. Comment below if you want George to stop yelling in my ear. <laughs> yes. Now, look, guys, um, I feel like going live on Facebook's almost like a seance because it's sort of like, you know, I go up and I go, okay, can anyone hear me? Please press yes. Um, can you type and, and you know what I mean? It's like that. But anyway, hi, everyone. Welcome. I think we've got a few people to say hello. I'm monitoring everyone here. So. Thank you. So please type ahead. We're going to be talking about the budget. Now, this is a historic budget, right? And basically, this is probably the biggest budget we've ever done since 1918. Wow, why so big? Because the last time there was a, the big flu virus thing going on, the pandemic, and now we've got the COVID. This is the first budget since COVID. It's very important. And look, I'm going to tell you what it means for property. And, you know, you may be surprised about some of the things I'm going to tell you, but mm. it's true. So let's go through this. The one thing is, this budget is massive, and now we're going to be in a one trillion, one trillion dollar deficit, right? Woo. Right. So look, there's no question the government had to do something, but one trillion this is the biggest debt we've ever had, right? That's insane. Right. And look, this is to restart the economy, and it's going to take over ten years to pay this back. That is quite right? the debt. Right. So the debt is the biggest we've ever had. 
Now, the thing is, there's one thing that doesn't concern me about the debt. I don't mind having a big debt, and I'll tell you why. The government's borrowing money at less than 1%. So it's actually free money. So back in the day, back in the, back in the 90s, I remember the government was borrowing money at 16%. Now, right? that is a big now, repayment. <laughs> and even if the debt's not big at 16%, you're screwed, right? Mm-hmm. But now, well, one... the interest alone on that is going to be phenomenal compared to was it minus one that you said? That um, at? at the moment, we're at one percent. Oh, one percent. Less, less. We're paying less than one percent. So, than 1%. if you look at, so what you got to look at is you got to look at a CPI and you got to look at interest rates. Right. And the deal is, if your interest rates lower than the CPI, you're way ahead of the game because the CPI eats away your loan. So, so George, for... what is the CPI? Oh. The, the central price, the consumer price index. And what is that? Okay, the consumer price index is an index that shows inflation. Where do people find out this information? Um, you can Google it. What's the CPI at the moment? I'm going to Google it now. Google right? the CPI in Australia. What is current CPI in Australia? So the inflation rate is 1.93. Okay. Right. And so almost so, 2%. Almost 2%. So if you're borrowing at 1% and inflation's at, at 1.9, that means that, let's say I borrow 100 million. Yeah. And inflation's at 2%, but I'm borrowing at 1%. That means that I'm making 1% profit every year, even though I'm borrowing. <laughs> so the government's actually done a really good thing. High five. Well done. Okay. So I really think that's a good idea. And I'm really glad they've done that. <laughs> now let's talk about the impact, right? So it's, built, it's been built the most important budget since the Great Depression and the first since the onset of COVID. And, you know, COVID-19 dragged Australia into its first recession over the last 30 years. Wow. We've been out, you know what I mean? And so basically, um, it's, it's included the hundreds of billions of dollars. I'm going to go through a bit of a summary here. And what I've done, if you guys are part of my mailing list, I'm going to email you this whole summary in depth so you can have a really good look at it for people that want to get more ideas. I'm going to quickly read through this to give you a bit of a summary and you can ask questions about what I think about it and how I think it's going to work and I'm happy to answer that. But also, um, if you're not part of our mailing list, go to positiveproperty.com.au, download our free resource, put in your email address and you'll be getting this um, summary to you. Now, I've got this summary from The Guardian, so you could just go to The Guardian instead. However, what I've done is I've added the property stuff. So I've done, if you're into property, you should listen to this. If you're into just the budget, you can go to The Guardian and just get it direct from them. But there definitely is importance to, to property, why you want to be listening to the budget too. So for those of you who have just tuned in, thanks for joining us. We're talking about the budget tonight. Yes. Now, if you're on any other channel and you want to see us live, come to Positive Property club in facebook we're here live in front of our live audience you might be listening to a podcast our podcast property secret positive property i got the name wrong because i had a different name (laughs) positive property (laughs) tax cuts we've got some tax cuts so 11 million australians are going to receive tax cuts right this is good yep and basically high income earners are going to get a tax cut and you're going to save 47 dollars a week now 47 might not sound a lot but you know what that could mean another one or two properties it's better than zero as well. Because look, so. normally when I'm buying a property, I like to make it less than $50 a week. So with this cat tax cut, we can actually afford to buy one more property on our program, which is pretty good. Nice. So middle income earners are going to receive a little bit, but the big, big one's going to be the marginal tax rate, right? So basically, the upper limit of the 19% personal tax budget will rise from 45, right? And lift it from 90,000 to 120,000. So it's just the brackets moved up a little bit. 
in each way. Okay. So then also jobs. When is this effective? Um, don't know. They're released now. So I'd imagine it's going to happen in this financial year. And you don't have to do anything about this, by the way. This is automatic through the tax department. But look, if you're part of our group and if you're on our program, you probably realise there's a lot of other smart ways of saving tax. And what we like to do is we like to you know, lose money on paper but make it in real life and get even bigger tax savings. You know, Our average client, our average member, they normally save $85 a week per property mm. right across their portfolio. And you know that adds up. When you've got 10 properties, it's nearly $1,000 a week. You know, it's pretty awesome. So jobs. The Morrison government is still keeping job keep job keeper, right, until March. So that's one good news. And then what they're doing is stepping it down. I think it's a they're smart, tapering it off. Yeah, and I like the way they're tapering off, which is really good because that means that businesses aren't going to get a rude shock in March. They're getting a little used to it bit by yeah. bit. Every quarter they get less subsidy, and it helps them get through. And it I, also I think helps them adjust. Yeah, yeah. and look, I, one thing I say is if you look at the rest of the world, what's happened there. And I was watching the debate between Trump and Biden last night. I was watching that debate last night, night before. And they've done sweet FA for businesses and for people there, you know what I mean? They haven't done a lot, a lot at all. Mm. And all the billionaires got rich and not much else happened. The Australian government, whether you like them or not, I think they've handled this pandemic really well. I think the money they're putting in is excellent. And I'm really proud to be an Australian. And I see that there's a lot of positive stuff happening. Really exciting. You know, um, so let's talk about jobs. So with jobs, um, they're, they're, they're giving subsidies to young people getting jobs. They're still with the job keeper until March. So jobs-wise, that's really good, right? And they're going to cover half the wage of 100,000 new apprenticeships and traineeships. That's excellent. Which is excellent. <laughs> welfare. They're going to give more money to eligible people um, in welfare, $2.6 billion, right? And the extra controversial supplement, they're going to extend that through. Which is great. Education. Extra what supplement? They, there was an extra supplement of coronavirus supplement to people that are on the pension. That was where they doubled extra money, it, right? And yeah. they didn't double it, but they gave them extra money and they did that, right? Okay, yep. So they're keeping that going. Yep, exactly. Now, also, um, the job seeker payments, we're going to see what happens after Christmas, but I think it's still March at the moment. <laughs> education. Another billion dollars is going into education, which is great. And 300 million into 12,000 undergraduate university places. So education, very important because we need to be educated. <laughs> Businesses with turnover less than $5 billion, which is just about every business, right, will be able to deduct the full cost of capital assets. Sorry, Ikea, you don't get this one. Purchased after budget night and first used or installed by 3rd of June 2022. 20, so we've got two years. Whatever you buy for your business, you're going to get a 100% tax deduction, which is great. Excellent. There you go, business right. owners. Some good news. Now, health. There's going to be some health stuff as well, which is not that important for the budget, but I've, I've included this in my summary just so people know, right? Well, NDIS actually is getting uh, 798 million, which is very interesting because that is partly to do with property. Right. And the environment, the spending money environment, 1.4 billion, which is great. Infrastructure, right? So the next four years, the government's doing infrastructure in every state and territory. They're chucking in $14 billion worth right? Mm -hmm. Which is great. So that's going to make more jobs. But the good thing about this is all this infrastructure we're spending money on now, 1% interest, is going to help for generations upon generation in the future as well. Mm. And that's what I was saying in the first place. Let's get all this money. Instead of having job seeker, let's give them a job and build lots of infrastructure. Build it out. Let's get this country great again. Hey, let's do it. <laughs> so that's 
the fact of it. So really, what's my take on this? And this is my take. I really believe that this budget is like rocket fuel for the property market. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah nice. Because, because um, basically, it's very exciting. And they've really, you know, because of the pandemic, they've just changed the rule book and they've just gone all out. See, back in 2008, GFC is very fresh in my mind. Back in 2008, what did the government do? They gave two grand to un the unemployed and lower economic people. Mm -hmm. And that was it. They had nothing else. They didn't help small business. They didn't help um, people keep their jobs or anything else like that. And we didn't end up having a depression or anything, right? You know what I mean? Yeah, look, Research. Australia has been one of those great countries that we just keep doing well no matter what is thrown at us. Um, we're very, very fortunate compared to the rest of the world in that respect that we still have so many good opportunities, you know, out there in the economy. You know, it's a great place to invest and make money no matter what's happening, especially if you know what you're doing. Yep. So basically, the government wants to do whatever it can to rebound the economy as soon as possible. Well, obviously, that's right? going to be great for everyone. And they're, they're willing to spend whatever it takes to do it, which is great yeah, for once to doing that. Like, our government is so pro bounce back the economy. It's fantastic. Mm. It's excellent. You know what I mean? And see, when it comes to property prices, I really think that the budget measures will supercharge what's happening, property prices. Really. And look, I've always said there's going to be a bounce back, yeah. right? And now the decline in property prices didn't happen that they said it was going to happen. Mm -hmm. You know, everyone's saying, oh no, property's going to drop, it's going to go down. Didn't quite happen. Now, yes, vacancy rates went up, CBD in mm. Melbourne and Sydney, Adelaide, right? Yeah. The unit market was going down. I've been banging on about the unit market going down for how long now? <laughs> Yeah. Five, six years. For the past right? 10 years. Yeah, I've been saying don't buy in units because they're going to go down. And they're getting affected by COVID. But, you know, is it COVID or were they going to get affected anyway? I think a bit of both. So COVID, all it did is accelerate it. It's a bit of a catalyst. But it's going to happen anyway. And now Melbourne's got the lockdown. They're losing $500 million a year. So the Melbourne market has been tight. But it hasn't really done much because there's no stock available. There's no one selling anything. No one's doing anything. Yeah. Right? So... So basically, you know, a lot of property forecasters are suggesting there's going to be double-digit growth in many suburbs around Australia over the next two years. Awesome. That's double-digit. That's what they're saying. Yeah, nice. And, um, you know, these guys have been doing it for a while. And look, there's forecasters, there's forecasters. Now, mm. and basically, I'm a forecaster myself. Mm. And I don't have a crystal ball, but I've got something similar. You know, you know, Mark Twain says, you know, history doesn't repeat, but it does rhyme. And I like to look at history and see what happened, but then I like to look at what's happening currently. Now, the difference with me and other forecasters, there's one difference. I mean, a lot of the techniques that I use are very similar to them, right? Because we've all got the same data. We interpret it pretty similar because there's certain formulas that you use. And I'd say all the top guys in Australia, the guys that are right at the top, they probably use the same formula that I use. Yeah. Because it's tried and tested. I didn't make it up. I modelled it and refined it. The difference is I get to test my formula more often than most people. Mm. So, because theory and practice are two different things. Oh, absolutely. Right? It's completely different when you're actually doing something in real life, in reality, you know, compared to just researching or just writing about something. And what I want to do is I want to, I want to diverge a little bit about theory and practice and talk about that. And then we're going to go through, because I've told, I've given you a summary of the budget. And oh, that was gonna, just the summary. That's just summary of the budget. Then what I'm going to wow. do now is I'm going to talk about the impacts on property. Before I do that, I want to talk about theory and, and practice and talk a little bit about theory and practice. 
and how different they are. Because in theory, a lot of things work. Yeah. But in practice, they don't. Yes. Because in theory, you could have a black belt in karate, right? <laughs> but if you've never had a fight, you're going to get your ass kicked by someone who knows how to fight. <laughs> Absolutely. Right? It's a very different thing doing it in real life than just, you know, yeah. reading books about something. And exactly. And look, <laughs> there's a lot of armchair investors out there, right? I think one of them wrote a book as well. Didn't he, the armchair investor? Now, I don't know. Now, look, I don't think being an armchair investor is a good idea. You've well, I wouldn't hand. be investing in armchairs in the first place. I'd be investing in property. They're talking about the armchair property. And there's the barefoot investor. Right? <laughs> like, he's investing in bare feet. Why? Apparently, Does he have a foot no, fetish? That's what I was going to say. Apparently, he likes feet. Right? He loves it. So, but anyway, so... That's just speculation, George. Yes. So, basically, when it comes to property, you know, I do all my research and I bring out the top 100 and the no-go zones. And guys... I've brought out the no-go zones. I'm launching it very soon, next week or two. So if you want a copy of no-go zones, type in no-go zone no in go the zone. comments yes. and, I'll, and, I'll, and I'll send you, a, I'll, I'll show you where you can get a copy, right? And these are the worst 100 places to go and the places that you wouldn't want to touch for a 10-foot pole. Just type in no-go and I'll get it for you because we really want to get this through. It's very important. So what I do is I'll put, release the report of the 10, top, one, top 100, bottom 100, but also, what I do with my research is we're helping our people buy day in, day out. Mm. And what I do when I help our members buy properties is I actually get to see it in practice and get real-life response from the world, from the world of, uh, of, of real estate. And when you're getting real feedback, mm. that's when you can really shine and that's how you become good at something, right? So, for example, you know, if you're a tennis player, right, and you're playing tennis against real players, you're going to get very good. But if you're playing against a brick wall or on a computer, you're not going to get that good because it's in theory. Theory is just not the same as practice, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you've got to do something in you've got to do about it. And look, I remember, you know, when I was single, this book came out, something about the art of the game or something about some guy who was going out and picking up all these hot supermodels in, in America and there was all these guys reading the book going, wow, I can do this now. And like <laughs> reading a book on how to pick up women and picking up women, two, two completely separate things. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> In your head, you might think it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let me go through now how it's going to affect property prices. So as I was saying, number of forecasters have suggested double-digit growth in many locations around Australia in the next year or two. And look, I've been saying it's going to happen as part of the rebound, definitely. There's also some areas that are going to go down. So be mindful. Look, with property, you've got to be very mindful because you want to be safe. And even though there's going to be a boom, you really got to be careful because there could be a bit of a dip on the way through, mm. regardless of what these people are saying. But also, some suburbs are just shit suburbs. And Christina and I are going to talk about the three properties you don't want to buy. Yeah, right? yeah, definitely. There's three properties you definitely do not want to buy in a crisis. And it, yeah, it's really important to make sure that you avoid these properties at all costs because otherwise you're going to end up in trouble. Yep. So the, Fed, the federal treasurer is very bullish about the economic growth targets, right? And also even the government is forecasting a sharp recovery. And they're normally very conservative, which is very interesting. So what's happening in the market now? Well, prior to the budget announcement, property markets are holding up much better than a lot of the people thought they would. You know, everyone's saying it's going to drop and it's going to be crisis and it's going to just get destroyed. Mm. Right? And look, we've been in this crisis for a while now and not much has happened, right? Basically, you know. Dwelling, dwelling values are very steady in most locations, apart from Melbourne, 
with the low volume of stock trading, strong competition makes buyers. That's the thing. So not many people are selling because they're scared they're going to lose money. And because of that, the people that are selling are getting good money. Ah, yes. <laughs> I know. You know what I mean? Because there's no supply, but there's still lots of demand for people to yeah. buy properties. And, yeah. and the funny thing is, in the markets where we buy for our clients, we certainly aren't seeing any bargain prices, right? And that's a state of affairs that will not change for months ahead. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So we're not getting any bargain price at all. Well, the market's the market. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but that's because one of the early indicators of future property price growth is when there's an undersupply of rental properties, mm-hmm. which starts to force the rents upwards. And that's one of the things we're looking. We're looking at vacancy rates, right? And this is the, this is the case of our present clients' investment properties in key suburbs in places like Brisbane and Adelaide, where they're leasing in just a matter of hours. So, you know, we're helping people buy in Adelaide, we're helping people buy in, in Brisbane at the moment, because that's the two areas. And you've got to be very careful with these two markets, but I know I'm intimately and really well. Mm. And, you know, people are leasing so quick. I mean, they put them on realestate.com and straight away, within a couple of hours, they're gone, they're finished. That's how quick. Now, this is an interesting thing that's happening at the moment because they're renting so fast, right? You know, so when that happens, when you get tenants as soon as you list it online in areas, mm. right? that means there's a much stronger demand for rental properties. And rents start to rise, you know, with increases of you know, $40, $50 not being uncommon at all. And then guess what happens? Then property prices go up. Because what usually happens next, the numbers no longer add up for the renters because they're paying uh, too much, yeah, right? Too much, yeah. And who opt to move into home ownership, adding to the pool of buyers competing for low-level listings. And then you've got more people competing to buy these properties. Right. All right. Interesting. So in a lot of the parts of the country where we're buying, we're competing with homeowners and we're competing with real savvy investors mm. for the best opportunities. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, you know, sometimes the price get pushed up too high. And then what I do is we withdraw and go, forget that. We've, we've had enough of that area. We've got another yeah. area where there's opportunity. But what we're doing is continue looking for areas where we can get a really, the right deal. Mm. And the right deal is usually around seven o'clock. And normally when I'm looking for a deal in property, I know that it's not too expensive if I'm if it's in a in a large regional center or capital city and I'm paying less than fifty dollars a week with our system. Yeah. Right. If it's too positive, then that's not a good thing either. If it's good, too yeah. negative, it's not a good thing because the the problem is if something's too positive, mm. then it's probably not going to go up in air, not not going to go up much because no one wants to buy there, right? And if it's too low, too negative, then it's already had its rise. Yeah. So we've got to balance that out. <laughs> That's basically the, the state of the play of the budget. And now we're going to talk about things we don't want to buy, you know, things that you've got to be careful. Now, any questions about the budget, guys, please comment below. I know the budget's boring, but sometimes we've got to talk about the budget. So... No, we do. If you want to know anything else about the budget... So if you know what about the budget, great. If you want to hear any song next week, type We've it already in. had a request, George. Oh, what's the request? Achy Breaky Heart. No. Yes. Please, someone else, request something else. I beg you. <laughs> You need to. <laughs> Jeremy Westwood. I'm going to make your dream come true, Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> that was one of my favourite songs as a kid. <laughs> yes, so look, guys. Classic. So look, any questions about property, please let me know. We're going to talk about some of the things that you shouldn't do, mm. where you shouldn't go. So I've recently compiled a list of no-go zones. And I'm going to give you a few hints on what's on there, right? Okay. So Adelaide CBD. Right. Perth, nearly the whole bloody place. <laughs> just, just do a Mel- cross. Melbourne Perth. CBD, Sydney CBD, yeah. Brisbane CBD. Forget CBDs. So look, don't buy anything in the CBD. Yeah. Right. That's what I'm saying. Just don't do it unless you're a developer and you're knocking something down and building thousands of units. But don't buy units. 
units at the moment, the demand supply ratio is skewed so badly that you don't want to go there, really. You've got to be very, very careful. And, um, you know, it's very interesting what's happening now. A lot of people are talking about commercial property, you know. And really, commercial, as far as I'm concerned, it's finished. Unless you're a big player. Because that mid-size tier and all that, a lot of people are working from home now. I mean, comment below. I mean, who normally works in the office, but now you're working from home? And you're probably going to stay there. Who's going to stay there? <laughs> I actually, I normally work from office. I still have to go to the office twice a week to get away from George. Otherwise, I'll go crazy. <laughs> that, that's fair enough. You know what? I'm too much to handle. I get it. I understand. Totally. So the thing is, you know, so um, that's one thing we, don't want to, we want to avoid. Now, the other area you really want to avoid is rural areas. Yes. You know, and I was talking, I actually caught up for a coffee today, one of our members mm. who I haven't seen for a while and um, they had some rural property and they had it for a while and it did nothing for a long time and luckily he listened to us, they listened mm. to us and they got rid of it at the right time and moved on. Now, at the moment, it'd be very difficult if you had rural property. Oh, it would be so much harder if they were trying to sell it now. Yeah. But luckily, they sold it before yep. the COVID-19. And look, there's some tricks to selling rural property. Yeah. And I'm very good at that. And um, I'm putting in our 14-day challenge. I'm going to show people how to do it. And funny enough, that advice actually yeah, helped them move on the property very quickly. Yes, my advice helped a lot, yeah. which I was very pleased with. But um, basically, rural properties is one area you don't want to go in. And also, the CBD. And there's one third property we don't want to touch either. And this includes a lot of different properties, but one of them is called the dual income property. Yes. Now, I think it was from uh, one of our members, Malcolm. So if you're watching, um, we're going to talk briefly about, you know, dual income properties and why you want to avoid them. Yep. Because the fact of it is, dual income properties are a bit of a spork. Mm. Well, it's under the one roof and you've got two properties under the one roof. So that yeah. is not good but for let's, one. Let's explain a spork to people there first. Because yeah, yeah. the one thing you don't want to invest in is a spork. No. Now, who knows what the spork is? Type in, right? And if you get it right, if you get it right, guys, I'm going to give you a prize. I'm going to give away uh, the who latest copy of my book. Who knows what a spork book. is? Yeah, a spork. <laughs> it's not Spock from Star Trek. <laughs> who knows what a spork is? Type below, let me know. Well, I'm going to Google it, right? So I can show I you a picture. I know what a spork is. Of course you do, because I've heard about it before. But if anyone knows what a spork is, please type in below and let me know. And I'll, you can win a prize. But I'm going to show you what a spork is. Fantastic. Here we go. I've got a picture of a spork. $22. Wow. Not cheap. That's an expensive That's spork. an expensive spork. Harvey, spoon and a fork. Yes. yes you Jeremy, got it right. Spoon cross fork. Here's yes. a picture of a spork. <laughs> right. There you go. Right. Yeah, so look. Now, this is the deal. It's a half a fork, half a spoon. And what it does, when you try to use it as a fork, it doesn't work well. When you try to use it as a spoon, it doesn't work well. Mm. And so when people try to get hybrid properties... And when you try to get a property to do more than one thing, it's not going to do it well. Just like anything else. Yeah. Even a car, you know what I mean? Because like, let's say, for example, you want something that goes fast, you're going to get a Porsche. You want to move the family around, you're not going to get a Porsche because it's not going to be that good. No. You're going to get a four-wheel drive, right? But that's not going to be good at economy. So you've got to choose what you're looking for when you're getting things, when you're getting things. And now with a house, when people get dual income, it's two families living under one roof mm. that are different families. Now, we could imagine, would you really want to live on the same, under the same roof as someone else? No. Probably not. <laughs> so the only reason you do it is because you had to, and therefore you're not going to pay as much rent. So you might get slightly more rent in the two families, but you're not going to get the high quality that you want. Yeah. But also, the problem is when you want to sell it, the value's not going to go up that much because 
you need to find someone that wants a yeah. two dwelling. They're really difficult to resell, so they've got really bad resale value. Um, they're targeted to lower socioeconomic families and things like that, so you're not going to get the right quality tenants in looking after your property either. And that's yep. where a lot of challenges come in for people. Exactly. So when I'm, when I'm looking at buying a property, the one thing I want to do, I want to buy something that's very, very easy to understand. Mm. What I mean by that is you don't have to explain to people how this property works. It's a house and you live in it, right? That's as simple as I want. I don't want to explain. Yeah, you live in it. I don't want to explain. I don't want to explain that it's got two roofs or we've done this to it or that to it and blah 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 blah. It's too complicated, right? We want to keep it really simple. But also, what I want it to do, I want it to, to, to appeal to eighty percent of Australians. Yeah. Right. And when you look at three or four bedroom property, townhouse or house, just about everyone wants to live in a three bedroom townhouse or house and even buy it or own it, and that makes it very simple. Mm. Because the idea of capital growth is it needs, you need demand supply ratio for capital growth. You need people to want to buy it. If people don't want to buy it, it's not gonna go up in value, right? It so needs that's, to go up in value. <laughs> well, people need to want to buy it for it to go up. And the money you make in property is where it goes up in value, and that's why you don't want to spork. Also, like we get people that come in and they go, look, I want to get a, a, an apartment, not apartment, a, a townhouse in this area in Brisbane because my daughter needs to go to school and I want her and her friends to rent it. Yeah. Now, buying, you know, out of 16,000 suburbs, there's usually only a couple of hundred suburbs that are decent that are going to go up in value the most. Yeah. So the chance of you picking that suburb and you wanting your daughter to live in it or you personally want to live in it or your parents want to live in it mm. is very, very unusual. And the problem is, then it's not an investment property and there's nothing wrong with buying your daughter a property. But if you're going to buy your daughter a property, just borrow a property. Don't pretend it's an investment property. You can make both of it work somehow, but really if your goal is to replace your income through property, and I suggest if that's not your goal, that's what your first goal should be, then that's what you need to do. You need to find properties that are going to go up in value. You need demand supply ratio to be right so you can really do that and grow your portfolio. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yep. So making sure that the property has one purpose. If it's an investment property, it's an investment property. Don't try and go for a hybrid because you're going to end up with spork. It's not going to be a spoon or a fork. It's going to be no. the worst of both worlds. But sporks don't go up in value. <laughs> but you know what? What goes up in value is when you get some fine cutlery Unless that's been made. Chinese takeaway, maybe then they do. <laughs> no, no, they don't go up in value. But but if you if you bought uh, fine fine cutlery. Right, 18, 10 stainless steel, that's going to go up in value. Mm. A spork's never going to go up in value. No one's going to want to buy a spork off you. They're just going to throw it in the bin. What most people don't even know what a spork is. Because you, <laughs> you can buy metal sporks. You can buy metal sporks. You don't have to buy one of those. That's going to open up a whole other can of worms. What sporks there are available there on but the internet. Really, but really, it doesn't matter. Because even this metal spork, it's not going to be a good one here. Look at that. There's a metal spork there. And nah, forget it. <laughs> So guys, the three properties that you definitely do not want to be investing in in a crisis are... Units. Units, rural properties. And sporks. And dual income, what we call Or sporks. any other sporks. Sandra thought a great way to increase income. It is a good way to increase income. However, we're not looking to increase income. We're looking at growing capital growth. Yeah. Um, look, the deal is you've got to choose between income and capital growth. And I'd rather get capital growth, yeah, which yeah. creates income anyway. So let's say, for example, if I get a house worth $500,000 in a really good area 
and it doubles in 10 years' time and goes to a million. Well, then I'm, if that house rented for $500 a week in that when I first bought it, then it's going to rent out for $1,000 a week after the property goes up. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to make that income out of the, out of the equity, yeah. actually getting more rent because of it. Now, the deal is the dual income is not going to go up as much. No, because it's in a uh, lower socioeconomic area, so you're not going to have the capital growth. That's right, but also... What's more important when you're investing than the rental return is actually the capital growth. And the thing is, the dual income is not going to double in price because the dual income doesn't... Who wants the dual income? Not only occupiers, investors. But investors aren't interested in a second-hand product because they're not getting tax deductions unless they don't know what they're doing. So you've narrowed your market right down. And really, you they're want... They're very difficult to rent out, I've heard. I've yep. heard, you know, the worst of the worst. Yes, they're hard to... They're even, avoid them with a 10 They're even hard to rent out because the problem is no one wants to live next door to someone that close. Yeah. You know, yeah. They'd rather, you know, so that's the fact of it. So really, they're just not the right thing. Um, it's, it's a bit of a marketing ploy, and I personally think I wouldn't do it. I like to stick to the bread and butter and really the basic stuff. <laughs> We're going we're gonna to leave in a couple of minutes. We've got two minutes left. We do, yes. Guys, I've loved hanging out with you. Put your requests in for next week's karaoke song. You're going to get to hear George sing, and you're going to get to hear me sing. So that's now, a bit of fun. what I'm going to do is I'm going to put a link down to our you know, free guide, and also so you can get the budget report if you want the budget report. And um, look, Get all that boring stuff about the budget. Yeah, look, guys, <laughs> next Wednesday, look forward to seeing you then. I really enjoy our Wednesday nights together, and thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we've got a lot of gratitude for our whole group and we've got a lot of cool people here and I love it. And really, I really look forward to our Wednesday nights. You know, one of my favourite times of the week. It's great. And, um, you know, I really want to give you as much value as I can. So look, if you've got any property questions, bring them along. Let me see if I can help you. Absolutely. And to my Black Belt members out there, we've got our monthly shirt. So I'm really excited about that. That's actually coming up in about 10 minutes time. So I can't wait to see you guys there really, really soon. But thank you so much for everyone that's joined us tonight on our Wednesday night get together that we have here. I love it. It's fantastic. That's it, guys. Thank you. Enjoy your night. We'll see you next Wednesday. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. I'm grateful for all our listeners around the world. If you found this podcast valuable, please share with someone that might find this useful and please join our tribe of purpose-driven investors, increasing income and impact in our Facebook group, Positive Property. Please note, we have a multi-million dollar property portfolio and a passive income. I've become incredibly successful at investing in property. The fact of it is, however, many people may find investing in property challenging. It's not easy. It takes a lot of hard work. However, becoming educated to make an informed decision and having the right advisors gives you the tools you need to succeed. The most important part of this formula, however, is to actually take action and apply that knowledge. It is important to understand the information I share is of a general nature only and is not taking into account your unique circumstances. If you're considering investing in any asset class, you need to seek the advice of an independent professional advisor who will be able to look at your specific situation. Be sure your advisors actually achieve the kind of results you're seeking. Many won't have, so beware. We've taken great care putting those educational resources together. We'd be surprised if you didn't find any errors or omissions. If you do, our legal team says we have to say we're not responsible for those. In fact, as with all things, even your success, we're not responsible. That responsibility always has and always will come down to you and the actions you take. 
We're passionate about supporting you in that process and helping you increase your ability to create wealth, live the life you desire, and provide all the things you dream of for you and your family. Thank you.